0: Will Donald Trump be our first ex-president to face criminal charges? A sitting federal judge may have just laid out how. Today on the podcast, we talk about whether prosecutors will be able to indict the former president and whether they should. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So when a judge goes to draft an opinion, they kind of have almost free reign to write it however they want to. That's especially the case with federal judges who famously enjoy lifetime appointments. It was in that spirit that Judge David O. Carter issued a ruling earlier this spring on a preliminary matter in the case of Eastman v. Thompson. Eastman is John Eastman, the Donald Trump attorney, and Thompson is Benny Thompson, the chairman of the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. The matter at hand was whether the committee can subpoena documents from Eastman or whether those documents are protected by attorney-client privilege. Carter ruled against Eastman here, but in his ruling, he did a whole lot more, basically laying out a detailed case for why he thinks Eastman and his client, the former president, should be hit with criminal charges. How would that work? How do you indict the former president of the United States of America? Bloomberg Law's John Holland investigated this, and he found that basically it will be really, really difficult, but not impossible. I spoke with him about his reporting, but first I asked John, what was in Judge Carter's opinion, and who is Judge Carter anyway? Uh, he's a federal judge out of California.
1: He's been, he has been was uh, first appointed by Bill Clinton. He was a state court judge uh, in California before them. He's kind of known for some offbeat rulings involving homeless people and regulations. He kind of marches to a different drummer. So from that standpoint, this isn't shocking to see how he ruled. It um, doesn't mean it's not valid or legal. It just he's not bashful about making opinions. And this, this case came. The uh, House Select Committee investigating January 6th is subpoenaing a lot of documents, including a man named John Eastman. Uh, He was an attorney for Donald Trump and still is. And um, in the process, he argued this was attorney-client privilege, among many other
0: defenses. The House said no, and it became Judge Carter's case to decide. So, as you mentioned, uh, Judge Carter said no, that the the subpoena is valid, but he went pretty far beyond just saying no. It wasn't a, uh, you know, one-word ruling. Uh, Tell me about this pretty extraordinary ruling from him. What did it say? I mean, it seems like it laid out... A really strong case against the president himself. Basically, he had to make. He
1: could have used other um, exemptions. He could have said that they waived attorney-client privilege. Instead, he said uh, because John Eastman and President Trump more likely than not engaged in a conspiracy to obstruct justice and defraud the American people, therefore they do not. They no longer have attorney-client privilege. They. It becomes void when you've committed a crime. He ruled they probably committed a crime.
0: Turn over the documents. And he, it seems like he didn't just say they probably committed a crime. He laid out what he thought the you know the evidence was that they actually did do that. That's the
1: thing, and that's where I think it was a little more interesting. Uh, the three elements of the crime were very. One was uh, conspiracy to obstruct Congress, and the second two were defrauding the United States, and this is where it gets a little trickier. Under the rules, they would you can only defraud the United States in an election. Judge ruled and Eastman admitted um, if there is trickery or deceit or coercion. Um, the judge ruled, among other things, that they were trying to trick Mike Pence into believing he had the right to send to reject and refuse to validate the election. Um, and that was what it came down to. He said they this was a conspiracy, conspiracy, a concerted effort to trick Mike Pence
0: into breaking the law. A little off topic here, but does that mean that if prosecutors bring that charge, that Mike Pence would be like the star witness in that situation? It could. There are a lot of other elements, but that could come into play. There's
1: That would be difficult for a whole different group of um things. But no, it would be interesting. Flat out, did you feel tricked? And my feeling is Pence would say, no, I know what I'm doing. And I wasn't tricked because I didn't fall for it. That's a good point. So I think that would be a tougher one. The other thing that was uh, more interesting is Eastman, and they have his own notes, told Trump and told Trump's other supporters, this is not legal. It's nine to nothing we will lose to the Supreme Court. Um, And specifically, and I went back and read the ruling today, He pointed out, and Eastman talked about it in a response filing, essentially, let's keep it out of the courts. Let's try to avoid any judicial review for this, which I think would go a long way to making
0: it difficult to act that you were doing nothing wrong. So I get the sense with with this ruling that Judge Carter was kind of laying out a framework for prosecutors to bring criminal charges against the president if they wanted to. Is that common do judges typically sort of lead prosecutors where they want them to go and that's the thing and
1: um that's why i wrote it so carefully i said it reads (laughs) like a blueprint my initial thought was he was doing that and as i talked to more prosecutors it had no weight and no prosecutor would have so it was almost two things and when you go back and read it more he was genuinely outraged and scared. He was offended by what happened. And he reads through, all the way through, if I can, at some point I can read a passage. Go ahead. More than a year after the attack, the public is still searching for accountability. This case cannot provide it. And there the judge says, I am not going to give you those answers. This is not a criminal prosecution. At the most, this case is a warning about the dangers of legal theories gone wrong, the powerful abusing public platforms, and desperation to win at all costs. If their plan had worked, it would have permanently ended the peaceful transition of power, undermining American democracy and the Constitution. And then last thing is, basically he said the country must be committed to investigating what happened, or we don't have
0: a country anymore. But, you know, that very strong language there, especially from a a sitting federal judge, this is, but as you mentioned, this is non-binding. This is all, you know, just his reasoning for why he ruled in, in one preliminary case. But I have to imagine that he wants, you know, prosecutors to read this and to get some ideas of where they should go. I think there's no question, but I also think it
1: may have been a call to the public to pay attention. This isn't a witch hunt. This is, he knew that people would be watching what the House Select Committee does. He gave them a big validation, and he said their work is incredibly important. Secondly, he said, here's why I think crimes are committed. So suddenly, he took it out of the abstract and made it very easy for the average person picking up their newspaper on a Monday morning
0: to say, I cannot believe what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, you talked to several ex-prosecutors about this, um, you know, to talk about how would this work? could you bring criminal charges against an ex-president? What do they say? Legally, yes. Um, you cannot bring charges against a sitting president under
1: established rules, but there'd be nothing stopping it. I believe if uh, President Ford hadn't pardoned Richard Nixon, he would have been indicted. I think most scholars that I've talked to over the years have said that. So that aspect is not the problem. The problem is, what does it do for the country? Are we going to have every new attorney general going after the ex-president? Does it politicize the Justice Department? Does it divide the country? And in this case, we see the division a year and a half after the election. People still don't believe it was a fair and valid election. If you indict President Trump, there could be riots. There probably would be riots. There would be violence. So that all comes into play. What I didn't know until I started talking, to particularly Barbara McQuaid, a former federal prosecutor, she said there is actually um, rules within the Justice Department that deal with this on point. It's called the Federal Rules of Prosecution. And when you look at it, it lays out you weigh the good and bad. 99% of the time, or far more, the good is we're bringing a bad guy to justice, and that's what we do. In certain cases, Is this worth it? Do we need to go further? And I thought one of the most interesting points that I probably didn't play in the story enough is if he had been impeached, they may have determined that is the punishment, that is the remedy for this wrongdoing, and we can move on from this. But by him walking free... She believes prosecutors feel there still has to be justice in this right. case. He was impeached, of course, twice, but you know, acquitted both times. Exactly. If he had been convicted of impeachment for the second, for the uh, insurrection, she believes that would be the end of it.
0: Yeah. And that was one of the parts of your story that I thought was so interesting, um, is that I, I, that was unexpected for me, too. I just thought, you know, prosecutors determined, did this person break the law? Can we prove that they broke the law? If yes, Indict. Uh, but it's it's not like that at all. It's much more complicated. And as you mentioned, a lot of these prosecutors said you have to weigh the effects on the country. Even if you can prove that he broke the law, you know, it's it still might not be the right decision to go forward. Exactly.
1: And we've noticed that in some of the drug cases, especially more recently, we'll see an elderly person caught up in a drug sweep. And I've seen this in Baltimore where they will not bring charges against some of the members. It just... What's the point? You know, even though they're a part of the conspiracy, they're 85 years old, they bring nothing to the table.
0: And so I've seen that to a lesser degree, uh, far lesser degree, but it's not uncommon. Yeah, that's really interesting. All right. Finally, let's talk next steps. Um, you know, it sounds like based on the prosecutors that you spoke with, that it would be almost inconceivable for any prosecutor to bring a charge this year, um, that 2023 would be like the earliest. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, uh, Uh, The Justice Department has a standing
1: rule that they will not bring charges close to an election. So I thought that meant in the next six weeks we'll see charges. Instead, everyone I talked to said no. Because of that rule and because of the difficulty in building such a case, they will wait until next year. Um, Not necessarily even wait. It may take them nine, ten months or a year to build it. Secondly, they are working somewhat in conjunction or at least in concert with the uh, January 6th, the House. So there's no need to trample on what they're doing. You can take the fruits of their work and use that as your blueprint, similar to the Carter, but this is a real blueprint that they can then take all those witness statements and then go from there. So
0: it'll be next year. So not only would, do they not want to interfere with the election, but they also still have a lot of work to do. They might It might need, you know, at least half a year just to, to get all their ducks in a row, if they even are going to charge Trump with a crime. Exactly. Or Eastman. I think it's much
1: more likely that Eastman is charged. And then that raises the obvious question. If he it was a conspiracy between two people, how do you charge one and not the other? I think Eastman
0: is a sure thing to be charged. And then we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that was John Holland speaking with us about the possibility of uh, criminal charges against former President Trump. John, thank you so much. Thank you very much. That'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at Blaw. Thanks for listening, and have a great Memorial Day, everyone. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.